I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Ellie's in Greasby for another Five Times Podcast with me, Neil Meller. Busy show for you this week as we look back at a headline-grabbing 12 months in the job for Jurgen Klopp, looking back on the victory at Swansea and also looking forward to Manchester United also. Take a look at the website, Five Times, for a long list of events coming to a town near you involving our former players. A few new dates announced this week in the lead-up to Christmas. But there's loads coming up all across the UK and further afield. Jamie Carragher is coming to the USA next month. Robbie Fowler heading out to Australia and New Zealand next month also. So take a look, fivetimes.co.uk for all those events. On to the podcast then tonight. There's a midfield theme going on. A former European Young Player of the Year and one who had a brush with Hollywood also. All before he came, a firm fan's favourite with Liverpool, John Walk joins us. The current League One Player of the Month from Bolton, Jay Spearing, will be on the show. Mark Lawrenson is going to be picking his Liverpool five-a-side dream team also. All our thoughts and prayers go out to Rigabit Song, who we hope can make a speedy recovery from all the former players and everyone involved with the five times and, and wider afield, the Liverpool FC family. We, we wish him well and a speedy recovery. Let's get on with the show for the Five Times podcast with me, Neil Meller. To hear previous podcasts, checkouts, and rate our page on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. First up, warm welcome to former Red Don Hutchison. Evening, Hutch. I imagine it's been a busy time for you. Roller coaster of emotion, lots going on with the arrival of your twin boys. How are they? Oh, the twin boys are great, Neil. They're four months old. Um, first couple of weeks, I ain't gonna lie, was hard. I had no sleep whatsoever. But now they're settling down. I'm getting a little bit of sleep, and I'm taking in a lot of football. Still ain't playing golf. I had no time for that, but it's only around the corner. Good stuff. Well, let's talk about Jurgen Klopp. It's a year, the anniversary on Saturday since he's been here. What have you made of how he's done so far? I think he's done great. I mean, he's hardly spent any money. Um, I think the players that he's that he sort of brought in. I know a couple of them. You know, I watch. I do a lot of comms on the uh, on the Bundesliga, and they're very, very good. Mm. I think Carrius is an upgrade on Minulay. I think there's decent competition there. Uh, my team's doing quite well at the same time. So I tell you what, the impression I get, and you guys might know a little bit better than me, you know, being up on Merseyside because I'm obviously down in London, is the players have got total trust in him. And it's like whatever he says, this he's like the Pied Piper. The players are just getting on with it and going with him. And they look super fit this season, I must say. Do you think that the super fitness has been one of the, the huge differences if, if you turn back like a, a year ago after the one or draw against Everton? Seemed a little bit deflated, a little bit flat, but 12 months on after that victory against Swansea, it seems a real different feel about the place now. Yeah, I spoke to Jason Marketeer in the summer um, and he was privy to a little bit, I'm sure you are as well, Neil, privy to the, the, the pre-season regime and... You know, Jason was telling me that the players were, were doing three sessions a day and they were checking into a hotel in the afternoon, you know, in central Liverpool just to try and get a couple of hours sleep because we were back training at 5.30. Now, we 
we've all had hard pre-seasons whether it's you know I've been in the army barracks when I was at Hartlepool and <laughs> up and down the dunes and this that and the other and there's, there's different ways of doing pre-season but I tell you what the start of the season I, I tell you what they've come out the traps really well and I'm looking at people like Adam Lalana especially mm. and he looks really really fit I know he's just picked up a little injury but his form has been terrific I think the question after that has to be it's been a superstar can Liverpool maintain it? That's a big question, mate, isn't it? It's like, you know, they've had a, a, a difficult pre-season, a really hard one, and it's, you get up and running, you come out of the traps really fast, and do you suffer a little bit of burnout now? Hopefully, you know, Liverpool can stay in the title race, because I do think they'll be contenders this season. The competition's excellent in the Premier League, and if you can get to January, you know, still in touch or, you know, or whatever, points total-wise, and then maybe spend a little money to try and kick on, you know, who knows this season? I mean, you know, after what Portugal done in the Euros and what Leicester done last year, you, you, you just you can't say mm. never anymore in the Premier League so it can be done Statistically we all love a stat and obviously you can you can misread them and get a little bit carried away but compared to 12 months ago we have 4 more points 10 more goals 2 more wins 2nd in the table compared to 10th last season I think the stats certainly read great looking at the ones which I've quite liked joint top scorers most shots on goal most chances created most kilometres run most passes most sprints most importantly though they've been producing the results as well Yeah absolutely I mean you know, I, I I I do like a stat myself. I'm not massively sold on <laughs> as them. Many I, mean, as that. I think, like you said, Neil. I, I mean, I look at stats sometimes when I see them on the TV, and it doesn't tell the, the bigger picture. You know, kilometres run doesn't really tell you what you've actually done on the ball and, and your chances created and this that and the other. And you know, I, I played under a manager years ago, and he was obsessed with getting crosses in, and he told our wingers he wanted 15 crosses in from the left hand side and 15 crosses on in from the right hand side, and all they'd done from the halfway line was just punt balls in the box. Mm. Just to get their sort of tally up, so you can sort of, you can misread them slightly. But the ones you just mentioned there, I mean, they're first class, and they? you can't argue with them. Um, yeah. And that, that's the impression when you when you when you watch this Liverpool side, it's how quick they are at, at, at getting possession back. Their speed of their play is great. They always play quite narrow. You know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, the work ethic from the fullbacks has to be really strong to try and get crosses in. So yeah, it's 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 all looking very good at the minute. Well, we mentioned all those positive stats. There is still stuff to work on. Looking at the the goals that have been conceded from set pieces, still a big concern. How how important is it to to try and sort that out? Yeah, I think everyone's got a problem this season because of the new rules. Um, you see Stoke that are struggling. Uh, they've probably conceded the most, I think, in the Premier League. And then Liverpool have got a weird one. You know, I was at Premier League TV at the weekend and we've done something on Liverpool. And it's what Jurgen Klopp's this, done this year. I don't know if it's a thing that he done last year, but he's sort of got this. There's two lines, if you like, and one line, the deepest line of about four or five players, all marked and zonal, and then the mm. line of three or four, just ahead of them, they're supposed to be the blockers. So they're not necessarily marking anyone at any given time. It's all zonal. Uh, and what Liverpool concede, they never concede a goal direct from a corner or a wide free kick. It's always the second phase of play. So that's where mm. that's where it's hard for players to then think, well, am I still marking zonal from the second phase? Do I then pick up man for man? So... You know, it's it's incredibly hard. I, I would just I, would, I just like to go man for man when I'm marking. But yeah, I mean, even the chance against Swansea last uh, last week. I mean, there was a great chance with the Big last chance. kick of the game that Matip just about mm. pulled his head away, which was quite bizarre. So there is, you know, there's fine margins because that could have ended up two two. And luckily for Liverpool, we got the three points. Yeah, looking at the other end of the pitch, there's been plenty of goals scored, as I mentioned, ten more than this time last season. The goals have been shared about amongst different goal scorers. I think there's seven different yeah. ones in the Premier League, Premier League so far for Liverpool. How significant is that, that it's been shared about throughout the teams, do you think? I think it's great. I mean, listen, you can again, you can read into it that 
they haven't got a number nine. I always say number nine because I just mean that as a centre forward. That's not banging in, you know, ten to fifteen goals already, um, or twenty five in total come the end of the season. But it doesn't really matter if if midfielders are chipping in and defenders are chipping in, and obviously Milner's getting his goals from left back as well, a few pens. So it doesn't really matter as long as that total at the end of the year is a, is a decent number scored because you start scoring, you know, freely. All of a sudden, it's adding so many points on Italy in the Premier League at the end of the year, which is going to give you a great chance. Yeah, well, one of those players who, who hasn't been adding too many this season, Daniel Sturridge. No Premier League goal yet, and we're in October. bit of speculation about his future. No, I think the big thing for me has been this season, there's no real reliance on Daniel Sturridge being fit, whereas in, certainly 12 months ago, you felt as though Daniel Sturridge needed to be fit out there, whereas now, if he isn't fit, he's not out there, then the team don't seem to be missing him so much. So, in terms of his long-term future, well, you know, what, what do you think that could be for Daniel Sturridge? It's a difficult one when we talk about Daniel Sturridge because I don't know if you're like me, but I've, I've I've watched him and I and I know how good he is and and he knows how good he is mm. and so do the Liverpool fans. So I think we all we're not just talking sort of flippantly about him. We're talking about a terrific talent. You know, yeah. whenever he plays, he's got so much ability. It's untrue. Now whether he's willing to to buy into the Jurgen Klopp, you know, work ethic and and, and really put a shift in every single game because people like Origi do and people like Mane mm. and Lalana and all the guys around him, you're absolutely right. When you look at Daniel Sturridge at the minute, it's like you're looking at a player that you might want to play in the home games but not necessarily rely on him on away games and that be, that might be slightly unfair but I'm on, I'm only judging him because he's raised his own standards and he's raised the bar over the last couple of years so he's got to get a, get back to what he's what he's capable of that's obviously scoring goals playing games but lasting 90 minutes that's the most important thing yeah well, well I look at stories and I think if he's on the pitch I think we've got a chance of scoring a goal and you know, like you say it hasn't happened so far this season but I do think that uh, given time he will produce for us international break not ideal with so many players away lack of preparation with such a huge game coming up against United what do you think about the timing of this international break with such a big game around the corner like United is yeah yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard one because you know when you play international football it's, it, it's a massive honour I've been lucky enough to play for Scotland a few times and you know it's brilliant when you're travelling away and you're playing in huge games but there's an eye always around the corner and especially when this fixture comes around, you know, it's a fixture that I used to love playing in. And, you know, when you talk about Premier League fixtures, it's a standout fixture for me in the Premier League. Mm. Always has been, always sort of will be because of the history and the and the heritage of both clubs. So it's a massive game around the corner. Just hopefully for, for Liverpool and Man United's sake, obviously, that everyone comes back fit. Well, well that, that's the point, team news. What will it be? A big talking point has been the goalkeeper issue this season for mm. Liverpool. Carrius has come in and is number one you would say but he looked a little bit nervy at times against Swansea I'm thinking because it's such a big game like United does Jurgen Klopp go back to the experience of Mignolet or, or does he keep faith with Carrius do you think for this mm. one? Um, I, I think with goal, goalkeepers you have to be very very careful that you're not just chopping and changing I think you have to have a number one uh, and I'd, I'd be stunned if, if Jurgen Klopp went with Mignolet I think now that Carrius is fit and he's got that game mm. under his belt I think you have to go with your strongest keeper. That's why he's being brought in. Um, I think he's a slight upgrade on on Simon Mignolet. I must admit, I don't think Carrius is world class, but I think he's got fan, I think he's got Did fantastic potential. Did you see a, a lot of him last year in the Bundesliga? I saw a lot of him. Yeah, he's very yeah he's very very good. He's very good. Um, as I said, I don't think he's you know. And again, I'm just talking out loud. He, he's, he ain't going to be in your sort of top ten goalkeepers worldwide at the minute, but he's certainly got a lot of potential. Mm. Well, that's encouraging to hear. Well, well let's look ahead to uh, to United, the big rivals. I don't see them as, as title contenders this season. Mm. I think it may be a little bit early for them under Jose Mourinho. I think they'll be stronger next season. 
how do you look at United? Do you see them as having a chance this year title or still a little bit early? Um, I, I didn't at the start of the season. I had them outside the top four. Um, but I think they're the type of side because obviously they're a massive football club. They can go on runs where they can you can win two or three on the spin. I've watched the last couple of performances in depth and I don't see a, I don't, don't see a happy sort of camp, if you like. And I, and I mean that as in I don't see United starting 11. You know, you look at Chelsea when they won the title and you could have picked the nine players that were guaranteed to start and, and, and over the years especially when you watch Man United winning titles you knew what their side's going to be you know I think Jose I think he's mismanaging Paul Pogba at the minute I don't think he should be playing in a, as a two in midfield I think Michael Carrick and Herrera could play that role and Pogba could be play further forward in any of the threes you know the three at the top end of the pitch but you know, I, I think they're a good enough side to scratch results I just I agree with you I don't think they're going to go at the title I don't think they even no. be in the top three well, so look, are you going to sit on the fence or are you going to be brave enough to give us a prediction going into that game Monday night well, football Liverpool United at Anfield what's your prediction well I'll always back Liverpool to win I'll always um, the, the, the trouble with Liverpool is I think over the years Manchester United have got a decent um, have had a decent run of games at Anfield and Juan Mata scored a worldie I think last season but I think the way Liverpool are playing if if they come out the traps really sharp and really quick and really aggressive and press Man United, sort of like what Man City done, even though Man City kept the ball a lot, I think Liverpool should win the game. Hutch, we'll let you get back to your twins. Brilliant. No worries. Hutch, great to have you on. Anytime, boys, anytime. York, October 13th. Rush and Fowler. Birmingham, October 13th. Barnes, Garcia, McAteer. And brand new, the story of the treble season. With McAllister, Smicer and Fowler, it's in London on December 8th. Now to a red through and through, one who came through the youth ranks at the academy, won the youth cup, won the reserve league before making his break into the first team. What a home debut that was against none other than Real Madrid in the Champions League. He is currently the League One Player of the Month with Bolton Wanderers. Hello and a big welcome to the Five Times podcaster, Jay Spearing. Before we get on to Liverpool, well done on that award and how's the season going at Bolton so far? Yeah, we're doing all right. We had, a, I'd say, we were four games unbeaten, had a decent start, got a few good results against some soft teams in League One. Uh, we've hit a bit of a, I'd say, a bit of a stalemate at the moment. Just can't seem to find the back of the net, but we're still in and around. It's still eighth place and. We're just adapting to, to League One, really, just getting used to how, how the game's going to be. And the gaff has brought in a few good plays, so we've still a long way to go, but we're doing all right. Doing all right. No wins in seven in the league, but you got a win midweek against Blackpool in the EFL Trophy. Is that what it's called? Checker Trade Trophy? Whatever it's Checker called. Trade trophy, yeah. Checker Trade Trophy, yeah. Trophy it is, yeah. But the introduction of the under-23s has been a, a big discussion within that trophy. How did you find it? Because you were beaten in the first game against Everton under-23s, weren't you? It's a difficult one to be to, to, to kind of say. Really, it's I understand why they're doing it. The the Premier League sides who've, who've said yes, and the under twenty three sides who've come in. It's a massive experience for them. And obviously, I, I, at that age, if I, if we had that opportunity, I think it'd be I'd be saying, yeah, it's great for us. Um, as a League One side who's competing in the league to try and get out of a difficult situation that we're in, um, it's a difficult one because we've got to play five plays from the weekend game. Uh, who started have got to start that game so straight away lads who like when games are coming Tuesday, Saturdays for us it's a tough one to try and play them plays again but game's a game a win's a win and we needed that win on Tuesday which we got and we think we thought it deserved and it's given us a bit of confidence going into the weekend so it was a bonus on Tuesday to be honest with you I, I just wonder about the managers how, how they approach that sort of game against an under 23 side now like you say it's a great opportunity for these young players to, to play in it but for me 
and English football. I don't want to be seeing youth sides, under-21s, under-23s, whatever it is, playing against senior players. The last thing I want to see is any kind of B team coming into the English structure because I think we have a proud tradition over here and a, and a great structure. Does the manager say anything differently when you approach that game against Everton? The harder thing for our gaffer is one of them. If we don't play five plays, we get fined. Um, so again, it's another one, but he tries to treat it as much as he as possibly can to as a proper game. It's a chance for lads who aren't playing weekly in the, in the league games to so get a game, so it's a chance for them to to impress. He sees it as a competition that we can we can progress in. Um, the Everton under twenty three side who came to us, they were they were very lively, they were quick, they were sharp, they were they were full of they were full of efforts and beans, and I think it took quite a lot of our our lads by surprise, and uh, we found our, well, they found us they found themselves one 0 down within about twenty minutes, and we kind of got ourselves back into, but then they just scored late on. But again, it's a it's a hard one for for managers at our level who are going to decide who to play, who not to play, and whether the clubs have got the money to take the final or not. Really, mm. well, obviously a Bolton player these days. How much do you see of Liverpool at the moment? Are you back to being a fan again? Yes, yeah, the moment from the moment to the left, I've, I've always been a massive Liverpool fan. Always been one from a young age as well. So I try and watch as much as I can on the weekend with my mates or through the week. If there's any any games on through the week and we're not playing, Saturday ones are obviously hard to to, to watch. But I'll always see match of the day and see how they're getting on and try and get as much as what the way they're going at the moment. It's, it's going to be looking forward to a good season. How proud were you of your time at Liverpool? I think you notched something like fifty-five first-team games. Do you still keep in touch with many people from back then? Mainly. Um, it's a, it's a tough one to be honest. As I say, the, the most people I spoke to were Martin Skittle. Uh, still, still speak to him over text a, a little bit each there and there. Uh, played golf with Martin Kelly quite a bit. Obviously, he's a palace now, but he was a good friend of mine. Uh, still speak to John Flanagan as well. So they're probably the main three that I really keep keep close uh, close knit with. So you, you play golf with them, but every time I text you for a game of golf, you always bin me off. Because you're a bandit, that's why. Because yeah. <laughs> I beat you last time, that's why you don't want to play me that's again. Exactly why? Because someone's on. You tell me that he's a 22 handicap and he's never been a 22 handicap, okay, that's why. 18, anyway. So, on to Jurgen Klopp, approaching the 12-month anniversary he's been in charge. How impressed have you been with what he's doing so far at Liverpool? I think from the moment he stepped into the club, you could see the way he's going. He, he adopted a he adopted a squad that wasn't his, but by the end of the season, you could see the pattern and the way that he was wanting to go with that squad. And by the end of the season, I thought you could see everyone was looking forward to next season. and Everyone's not been disappointed this year. He's kicked on tremendously and how quick and lively, how quick to get the ball back, and then some of the signs they've made as well. And I think it's exciting times at Liverpool at the moment. And as I say, from a fan's point of view and being like an ex-player, as you say, it's something that I'm, I'm very excited about and hope it keeps going for a, a long time to come. And you mentioned about those new signings. They seem to have a big clear-out in the summer, one of the biggest in Liverpool history. But a few of the faces that have come in seem to have settled very, very quickly and, and started well in a Liverpool shirt. Who out of those new faces has... Impressed you? For me, the main one's got to be Mane. I think. I think he's coming and he's hit the ground running. He just seems to be. I don't know. He seems to be so sharp and quick and find himself spacing around the area. And I, I just think he's coming and, and helped out the likes of Firmino and Coutinho and just and just kick them on as well. If I'm honest with you, wouldn't fancy a race with Mane, would you? Not a chance, mate. No, he'd leave me well behind. <laughs> what about from a player's point of view? It's international break at the moment. Um, obviously no European football for Liverpool this season do you think that freshness can play a huge part in what we're hoping will be a successful season for Liverpool yeah I think it's obviously Liverpool need to Liverpool need to be in the Champions League and Europa League like at least the Champions League to, to kick on in a club that it is uh, this season with having none of that it's a, it's a big opportunity for 
to get some to get some silverware. Now he reached the final last year and at the uh, Capital One, and saying he deserved that. And this year he'd be looking to, I think, main priority for us is getting the league position right and getting in the top four, and maybe going for for the title. And at the moment, I don't see why they can't be in the sights of Klopp, and I don't, I think they'll be in the sights as well. Can't get you on without asking you about your time with Steven Gerrard at Liverpool coming towards the end of his time and his deal at LA Galaxy over in the MLS hinted that he may well come back for you how good was he to play with uh, I, I, can't really, I can't explain it to you it's one of the hard ones where it's just a it was a pleasure and an honour to, to be on the same field as him it was an honour just to be in the same dressing room as him at, at first when I first said hello to me I was gobsmacked that he said hello <laughs> he's a hero of mine and one of them so when I first seen him and shook his hand it was a bit of an aura but then to get on the field with him and play the amount of games that I did net alongside him was a dream come true. And just from the moment, from day one, from the second he met him, he was helpful. He helped every young lad that came through, even the players around him, full growing internationals. He wasn't afraid to have a go with them if need be, and just a just a true leader. And I say probably one of the greatest Liverpool players that they'll, they'll ever be, and um, even England level as well. He he'll want to be the greatest England players as well. So, mm. what's one of your best memories? With Stevie, I remember a game at Anfield against Everton when we battered Everton at home. Yeah, we got and the and Stevie were in central midfield, and it, it was an outstanding performance. And one, you know, it must have been great to play him. Yeah, no, that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you asked me that question, I was straight away I knew what game I was going to mention. and straight, It was definitely that one. That was something that I'll always... Because I think of that game, I think Kels was playing as well. Um, so to to go out in that game and be alongside him in the middle of the park and in a derby at Anfield on the I think it was midweek as well, so the floodlights were on and coming out with with your mate that you've grown up with as well to go out and play and win that game comfortably three 0 and put on a performance that we did. It was something that I'll never forget and, and cherish as well. Jay, you've been absolutely brilliant. Swindon away for you on Saturday, an early kickoff. We'll be looking out for you, see if you can maintain this good form and hopefully end the poor run that Bolton are currently on in the league so far so we wish you well and thanks for joining us on the Five Times Podcast Cheers mate thank you very much for the phone call thank you This is the Five Times Podcast the voice of the ex-Liverpool players Delighted to welcome a guy we don't hear nearly enough from these days one who made his name on Ipswich's famous UEFA Cup campaign in 1981 so much so he was voted the PFA and Young European Player of the Year he was uh, in the movies as well with Escape to Victory alongside Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine and he also scored a very impressive 42 goals in 108 games in the famous Red of Liverpool Welcome John Walk to the Five Times Podcast How are you and what are you up to these days? No, I'm fine, yeah I'm st- still living down at Switch you know, I go and watch their games uh, you know, every week You know, I've got my own lounge where 
a host and a, I do the radio show on the Friday night, the night before the game, and uh, still do a lot after dinners, and uh, still waiting to play for the legends of Liverpool. You know, I think I've not played <laughs> for a while, so I don't know what's happened in that side. Well, you say that you're down at Ipswich an awful lot. You must keep an eye out for Liverpool's results. What have you made of so far this yeah, season? Yeah, I do. I've watched every, every well, all the well, all the games on the box, you know, and so far they've been very good. You know, they're not completely the team everybody wants them to be. You know, attacking wise, they're very good, but they're still the games. Some games I've watched at the back, especially set plays, and you know, we're letting goals in. So we've got that to sort of, you know, to fix. Uh, areas still to work on there but you were a man who could play anywhere on another player who's proving to be an invaluable asset for Liverpool certainly at the moment is James Milner how impressed have you been with him? Unbelievable you know I, I just say I thought he was definitely a midfield player he could play anywhere alongside the midfield I didn't think he was better left back but he's doing a great job there you know you know, you would think some teams would maybe get at him that they don't seem to but Every game I've seen, he seems as if he's doing the business. Yeah, he's he's called it a day for England internationally. But I just think the way he's been playing for Liverpool, I think he may well have found himself called called up. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, you know he's found that position and the way Klopp plays as well. He, he gets players who help him. You know, when he's in difficult situations, you know, when they're taking him on, you know, he's got players around him to help him. But on the ball, he's he doesn't give the ball away, you know, and. I think he's been outstanding this season. John, it was Swansea last weekend, the victory. We refused to lose a game, maybe previously, under previous regimes. We may well have lost. What did we show, do you think, by winning that game at the weekend? I think it was a massive, yeah, it was a massive win. You know, as you say before, we would have lost that, you know, and to be fair, I thought Swansea had a lot of chances, you know, four or five chances, especially from, you know, set plays, as I said, and they missed that clear chance right at the end. So, but it was a great win, and it might come into consideration, you know, you know, down this season at the end of it. Yeah, certainly at half time, you were thinking that after three great results, and then you go and perform like we did at Swansea in that first half. But it seems to be a different feel amongst this Liverpool group at the moment, and I think Jurgen Klopp has certainly had a huge impact on that. Oh, yes. It's coming you know, from the outside, you know, I see, I just see he's got a major influence, and, you know, and the players love him, and you can see when they win a game, or you could see even, even after the Swansea game what it meant to him, because they knew he didn't, they didn't play well, and as I said, to get where they are at the moment, it's, they've done well altogether, you know, and I, I just I think they've got a great chance, because they've got to play a lot of the big teams at home, you know, and everybody's hoping to, so we can get back into the top four. It's the, it's the one-year anniversary since Jurgen Klopp took over at Liverpool on Saturday. How impressed have you been with, with his impact at Liverpool over that 12-month period? Yeah, he's, he's, you know, it's got better as, as he's been going, you know what I mean? It's, uh, when he first came, you know, we were a bit disappointed with getting knocked out and you know, losing the final as such, but I think this season he's gradually getting his team you know what I mean, and uh, he's brought the players in. Still think he needs maybe one or two more, especially on the defensive side, and uh, and then he'll, I think he'll be fine. He'll, he'll he'll win trophies, and that's what we want him for. John, I, I looked at some of your career stats before this, and you scored 27 goals in your first full season for Liverpool. But I remember you playing in a variety of different positions. Where would you say your best position was? 
Yeah, I think everybody. Yeah, I think everybody. Well, I think it's a midfield, you know, as I say, I scored all the goals, you know, for Liverpool and for Ipswich. You know, I started as a centre-back and then I ended as a centre-back because, you know, at the end of your career, your legs go a bit, so you just use your head rather. But I think I should be known as a goal-scoring midfield player, yeah. What are some of those memories then of your time at Liverpool? Great. The very, well, the first one, my, my debut, you know, I didn't think I was going to get in the team because they won the League Cup on the Wednesday. And I arrived on the Thursday, and as I say, he put me in on the Saturday in the league game, and I scored in my, my debut. You know what I mean? I think you've got to get off to a flyer when you join Liverpool because there's so many great players in it, and you want to stay in the team. But probably the highlight was, you know, scoring 27, you know, in my, my first full season, which, uh, you know, was amazing, especially when I've, I think I beat Ian Rush, which incredible, but I think Rush was injured for 10 games, so. That shows you how good he was. Wow, amazing, amazing stuff. I mean, what does it feel like for you when, when you do return back to, to Anfield? Yeah, every time I come, even when I've you know, when I came back with Ipswich and any game I come here, yeah, I get treated, you know, really well. I love coming back to Liverpool, you know, and I've actually uh, I've booked in for the last game of the season we played Middlesbrough. So and I'm coming here for the weekend, so I'm hoping that we could be lucky and it could be a a great weekend I hope so have to ask you about your movie star time throughout your career <laughs> a timeless classic what was that like? it was fantastic you know everybody talks about my football career but you know when I meet people now they always bring that up you know escape to victory and I was lucky enough to be in it you know there's uh, five Ipswich players who were invited to go in it and, and you're, you're, you're away for five six weeks uh, and you're mixing the likes of Stallone, Michael Caine, Pelly, Bobby Moore, you know, Adilis, you know. And it was the best five weeks I've ever had, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a great time. Amazing. Well, to finish with, I um, I was in locally where I live. I asked a, a Liverpool fan. He's, uh, he's a potato provider to the local chippy. And I said to him, I've got John Walk on the, on the Five Times podcast. What question... Should I ask him? And from a fan's point of view, he wanted to know how would you have adapted to today's game? How would I adapted to that? Yeah, uh, I might not have lasted long, Neil. <laughs> I think because that, you know, yeah, I, 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 I could get stuck in as well. You know what I mean? And I think to to get today's game, it's there's a lot of pace and all that. But I, I think I'd be better if I was a centre back in today's game, personally. You know what I mean? Because I, I read a lot of the situations well and. But as a midfield player, as I say, I think I might have, I might have got a few red cards. <laughs> I think we we wouldn't have minded seeing you in the in the current Liverpool first team, certainly at centre half position. It's an area where we need to uh, to improve slightly. But thank you, John, for your time on the Five Times podcast. Thoroughly entertaining. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you very Cheers, much. Neil. All the best. This is the Five Times podcast, hosted by Neil Meller at Ellie's in Greasby. As we know, the best ever Liverpool teams put huge emphasis on five aside. So we're doing exactly the same here on the Five Times podcast by asking Mark Lawrenson, a guy who played with most of the greats and won five league championships in close to 400 appearances for us. Lauro, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Well, I didn't have to wrap my brains to do this too, too hard, you know. You didn't? Because actually, no, you know, I'll tell you for why. I could just have one player in all those positions. Well, I haven't given you the positions yet. I'm going to give you categories rather than positions. 
Well, you give me the categories and I'll tell you it is, and then I'll, I will fill it in with the rest of them. But honestly, this is just like a... It's like a detective's identity of a player. Okay. Well, uh, first subject I'm going to give you, player in your five-a-side team with the best vision. Graham Souness. And why? Um, because he had the best vision. Um, no, because especially after a, a, a sort of... The, the position that he played in central midfield player, the great thing about him was he kind of knew where everybody was. He'd always have the ball all the time, short passes, long passes, and he just had this telepathic understanding with a, a certain Mr. K.M. Dalgleish, which was like when you actually played behind them was just seriously frightening if you, if you saw the two of them operating. Mm. OK, next category. The best engine... Graham Souness. Now, listen, listen. Um, I was slightly joking. In, I was slightly joking insofar as it. Graham Souness in all in all these categories that we're going to, he could play in every single one. So I'm I'm happy with that. So I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll we'll give Graham the best engine. wasn't wasn't the quickest, but I tell you what, positional wise, he was he was incredible. But he, but he always always got there because he was just one of those players that was always ahead of everybody so what I'll do now is I'll go back to the first one and that has to got to be Kenny okay um yeah for vision because um he just he just he was he was another like I just said about Graham with, with, with Kenny and knowing exactly where each other were and etc him and Rushy was frightening um and I think the thing about Kenny Kenny was the best player I ever played with I think you know you only kind of get his sort once every twenty years. The thing, the thing with him as well, though, he was, he was two or three moves ahead of anybody in that team. He was just, he was a genius of a footballer. To be honest with you, he couldn't run, he couldn't edit, and he had a big backside. But what a player! <laughs> well, it's interesting because you say he was, he was way ahead of everyone, and I've often heard that said before. The best players with the quickest thinkers. So you're saying about the vision and how important that was for yeah. a player to have that sort of attribute. It was just, it was, it was, just, it was just amazing. It was, and it's also, and if, if occasionally, you know, myself and Hanson managed to find ourselves up front, he'd, he'd just always be there for you because, you know, it, I mean, Hanson used to call him Jigsaw because he fell in part of the box if he had, had a chance, but he'd just always look for Kenny and Kenny would just be there. I don't know, it was just, I think it's something you're born with. I don't think you can teach it to anybody. But, oh my goodness, he certainly had it in abundance. So, Vision, King Kenny, yeah. Engine, Graham Souness. Let's go with left foot. Barnsley. Okay. Um, it was either Barnsley or Alan Kennedy. No, only joking. Um, <laughs> Barnsley, Barnsley when, he, when he first came, Everybody knew about his abilities in terms of dribbling and, and how, how good his left foot was and, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the real bonus for Liverpool was he, defensively, he was great. They didn't have to teach him anything. You know, you've been there, Mel's with uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Moran screaming at you, mm. like to be mm. in certain positions. He never had to scream at Barnsley, but he, he, had, a, he had a wand of a left foot. And I mean, when, when he ran at people, he was... He was quick without being too rapid, if you understand what I meant. But he had, he had fantastic balance. Um, played with his head up all the time. 
And and the ball never seemed to leave his foot. It was just always like it was glued onto him. And he just, you know, because he was such a good passer and such a good creator. And if the, if there wasn't anything on, he just beat a person. And if still wasn't anything on, he beat another person until he eventually found you found someone with a left foot. Great, great technique. Any standout moments for you personally with Barnsley? Uh, with Barnsley, with Barnsley, with Barnsley. I mean. He scored a goal. I don't know if you guys would remember. I think I think it was against QPR. Seeing it, yeah. When QP, yeah, I think Q, QPR might have been quite early in the season, top of the league, and they came to Anfield and he he, he scored a wonder goal, but he just he sliced them open and and I think QPR. I'm pretty sure we beat them quite comfortably. But I think I think that day they realised they they were getting nowhere near winning the league because obviously London press QPR great story. Can they win the league? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe a little bit more of a tougher category. Left footer, obviously, Barnsley filling that one, but right footer, because you've obviously played with so many comfortable. Who would you pick for that one? Um, do I have I got to have played with them all? Or can uh, I do, cheat? How are you going to cheat? I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat by saying Stevie G. Yeah, that's fine. We'll accept that. I mean, who who wouldn't want his right foot? I mean. The, the year the year that we nearly won the league when Brendan was manager I mean the, the, those those passes from Stevie to, to Suarez were just unbelievable um, you know you turn about 35 40 yards like dinked over or driven over or bent round Ab- oh, position ab- ab- absolutely frightening and and you know you played in that position where it's always always hectic so if you didn't the thing with Stevie as well is he's, he didn't he didn't have a trick in so far as he he didn't really drop his shoulder. He just he just kind of knew when the ball came to him where it was going in an instinct. And then with the Suarez fella, he knew that you know he would just wherever Stevie put it that he would be on the end of it. Right, we've done left foot Barnsley, right foot Stevie G. Final category: the hard man. Who's the hard man you pick him? Four. Well, th- this is probably going to surprise you a little bit. I'm I'm going to pick Ronnie Whelan. Yeah. Because he was an assassin. You know, when I said to you at the start of this that Sunes could have fit all car- yeah. categories, and he would definitely asserted that this that the hard man, and he and he was hard, but he was obvious. Ronnie was just Ronnie just had this ability to arrive a split second late, and. In those days of tackling, you know, he, he just he just makes sure that he caught somebody. And the great thing for him was he caught loads of people. I remember we played uh, Southampton at home. He had a big centre back called Chris Nickel. You've heard of him, big ugly bugger, but you know, a really really nice lad. Oh, Ronnie topped him, <laughs> and Chris Nickel spent most of the game running after him, trying to top him back. But of course, Sunes just kind of turned around and said, "Chris, if you top him." You got to deal with me, so I mean the, the thing died a death. But he was oh, Ronnie was Ronnie was phenomenal, but nobody ever ever realised it. And you know, Case, Sunes, all McMahon, all those guys that have, that have played in there. Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie was our assassin. In fact, he was our silent assassin. And by the way, he could play as well, and and used to get you a really important goal. Mm. But what a side that is! What a five-a-side. We've not even got a goalkeeper in there, which is good to see. Vision. King Kenny, hard man, Ronnie Whelan, left foot, Barnsley, right foot, Stevie G, and the best engine, Graham Sooners. But as you said, throughout that, many of them could have fulfilled all those categories. Right, to finish, we've got a quick fire few questions for you. Whoa. Swansea overlooked Ryan Giggs for Bob Bradley. Was that a good decision or a bad decision for Swansea? 
Um, I think I think they will think it's a good decision because they've got American owners. So you know you know how the Americans can talk. So, and I think Brian Giggs. I don't think his interview audition, whatever you want to call it, went particularly well. I was not surprised at all. Next one, United next for Liverpool. Will United come good this season for Mourinho? If Cup. If, come, if you think by saying come good they're going to finish in the Champions League I, I think it's really touch and go I don't think he knows his best team as yet and that's really unusual for Mourinho so um, no it might be a, it might take a, a longer time span for them Last one Is there any way back for Sacco here at Liverpool? Yeah Yeah there's, there's, there's always a way back Listen you know we've, we've all done daft things we've all, we've all made mistakes uh, we were fortunate in our day. We, we we didn't have Twitter and Facebook and all those Snapchat, kind of stuff where you, you could vent one. your spleen. <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, but yeah, there there is. This this is what I think about it. Is I think Sacco's actually potentially a really good player. Why wouldn't you try and do everything to make sure that he is a really good player for your team? Mm. Top four this season, Laura. Who are you going for? Uh, um, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and. Tottenham. Yes, I agree with, with that. Right, brilliant way to finish with the quickfire questions. Can't let you go, though, without asking about Jurgen Klopp. It's 12 months since he's been in charge mm. on Saturday. How do you think he's done? I think he's done great. And I think, I think when you go a lot to a lot of games, which I do, see loads and loads of football, and you go to Premier League matches and you speak to managers and coaches and all those kind of guys, and they, to a man, they all want to know all about him. And you just know that when he arrived at our football club the rest of the Premier League sort of all the supporters of United City Arsenal Chelsea all those kind of teams went whoa mm. he's going to make them really good again and they're not wrong what do you think he's done that's brought to to give us the optimism to make us into believers as he said what do I think what do I think he's done I, th I think I think the fact is um, he's every player's friend but he's not the best friend which is a great trait to have mm. and he has this thing which is he's just so driven, but he he managed his, he manages to take people with him, um, and I think you know he just he knows exactly the way that he wants to play, and I think I think the thing with players is he celebrates when they play well, but we we know he's got a dark side. We know we know obviously steams into them when they're not playing mm. particularly well, but he's just he's got it whatever it is, Mel's it, and you know. Some people are born with it. We've spoken before about things like vision in football. Mm. He's just got this thing. He's got a presence about him. I think he makes people believe that they can possibly do things that they can't. And top managers make top players better. He can do that. Laura, brilliant. Excellent stuff. Thanks for no com coming on to the Five Times podcast. Pleasure. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our websites, fivetimes.co.uk. That's it for tonight on the Five Times podcast. Hope that gave you some light relief amidst all the withdrawal symptoms, of course. It's the international break. No game for Liverpool this week, and we all know what's coming next, that big one against Manchester United. But things are good. We're obviously just beating Swansea, so good feel about things at the moment. My huge thanks on the Five Times podcast to this episode of Don Hutchison, Jay Spearing, John Walk and of course Mark Lawrence. And I'm back next week. Thanks for downloading.